I'll, I want to quickly just say that I'm at, I throughout this fic, I never thought I'd say this, but I was disappointed that there wasn't a nuclear disaster. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody has ever said that about <laughs> April the 26th, 1986 before. I wanted it to happen so badly. I wanted there to be radiation burns and bombing, but no. <laughs> Hello, welcome back to The Shipping Forecast. I'm James, joining me is Nick. Hi! And Grace. Hello! And today, we're going to pick up where we left off, and I'm going to review The Sound of Love. So, this is the main reason we ended up reviewing The Sound of Music last episode, and made some terrible geographical errors in that, but... I think you pulled it off. I'm sure no one's going to notice. So, The Sound of Love is, as you can guess, is a crossover between The Sound of Music and Chernobyl. It is written by Yankee Tutor. You can read along with us in the show notes below. Uh, This is a Valeri and Boris fic, as you may have guessed, because they all are. And this was not racist, so we don't know if this is going to be explicit or not. I thought you said this wasn't racist, so we don't know if it was going to be explicit. It's it's also not racist. (laughs) It's surprisingly race neutral. You don't know what country it's in. Uh, Apart from from the fact that it's set in the Chernobyl universe, so logically it'll be the Ukraine. Maybe, maybe not. Or Russia. Maybe it's Russia. It, It is the US. In fact, Gorbachev showing up later on does kind of tell us where it is, so... That gives it away. So... So you've probably already finished reading chapter one because it is only five lines long. Yeah. But it sets the scene. It sets the scene. Uh, Valeri, he's he's in his lab, um, reading his notes, and then he suddenly realizes, oh no, he's late for the meeting at the Kremlin, and he dashes off, sort of like an anime high school girl, like grabbing his notes, running out of the door, sort of with toast in his mouth, you know, that kind of image. <laughs> Oh god, only that he's going to the Kremlin. (laughs) This mirrors the opening scene of The Sound of Music, where Maria is in Austria, in the mountains, spinning around, singing The Hills Are Alive, all of that stuff. You know, the iconic scene. The one on the cover. Instead of being out there singing, he's just sat in his lab, doing some reading. Um, In that case, we can place this exactly because the kremlin is in moscow yes we're in moscow we're in moscow glad we got that established or he can run very fast <laughs> I'm just sort of imagining one of those um you know in those adventure movies where they're going from place to place and there's like a dotted line oh yeah yes he travels by map straight there there's just like a cartoon legosov on like a map leaving a dotted line behind him just boom <laughs> Moving on to chapter two, the Gasov isn't actually in this one. This scene involves Gorbachev, Taraknov, and various members of the Chernobyl Commission who were not named. So this chapter is called How Do You Solve a Problem Like Valeri? It mirrors the scene How Do You Solve a Problem Like Maria? Does it? It's, it's very <laughs> clever. So in The Sound of Music, there is a scene where the nuns are all complaining about... Maria's behaviour. Like, they think she's a terrible nun. I talked about it last episode. This is exactly the same scene. Like, they complain that that Legasov is not a very good scientist. Like, he's always distracted. 
Um, the only plus side about him is he does make them laugh. Right. <laughs> so, and this this is where we hit our first problem with The Sound of Love. We've all seen Chernobyl. Yeah. Lagasov isn't really a comedian. No, not, not, not at all. Like, he's, he's a very deadpan guy. He's a guy. very stressed man. <laughs> he's a very, understandably a very stressed man. There was a lot of pressure on Lagasov. Like, that's not a criticism of him, but he, he was the doom and gloom guy in the room. He shouldn't be making anyone laugh. <laughs> so, that's my first complaint about this. But I will give it some credit. The words do fit the song. Like, they've done a good job rewriting the lyrics. I'm impressed. Not enough to want to see a stage production of this yet, but we'll see as it goes on. Give it time. Yeah, let's, yeah. Anyway, Valeri breaks into the room, he's late, he's apologetic, and Gorbachev sends him off to go work for Deputy Chairman Shabina at Chernobyl because he's not fitting in at the Chernobyl Commission. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but it is very much intended to mirror the sound of music, so I'm going to give him a pass for that. Uh. Okay. So, on to chapter three. I Have Confidence in Me is another song from The Sound of Music. Bit of background, because I didn't talk about this in the last episode. There is sort of a montage of Maria travelling to go meet the captain, and it's her kind of hyping herself up, talking about how she's got, you know, building her self-confidence. So I need to refresh my memory, and I'm going to ask Nicholas, who is Velik, Comrade Velikov? Um, hold on, let me just have a read. Um, do you know what? I am going to stick my neck on the line here and say that he might be an uh, original character. I think he might be right, because upon Googling, I don't see a... Oh, hang on. No, wait a sec, wait a sec. From the Wikipedia page, uh, Evgeny Pavlovich uh, Velikov, spelt with a H between the K and the O, um, is a physicist and scientific leader in the Russian Federation. Ah. Was he in the HBO show? He was not. I'm just spooling through. God, they've, they've done some research. Yeah. In that case, I'm going to have to give The Sound of Love bonus points for reading around the show and adding in characters who weren't here. Yeah, it, it doesn't state that he was um, uh, involved with the clean-up of Chernobyl, but to be honest, we can deduce that he's a scientist who lived in the USSR. I'm sure he was um, involved in some way in the clean-up. But he was, in 1988, he was named director of the Kurchatov Institute and chairman of the International Programme for the creation of a thermonuclear experimental tokamak reactor. So that fits quite nicely with how they've portrayed him in The Sound of Love, because he is Legasov's nemesis. And they use that word, he is the rival. Ah, yes, there it is. And Velikov is trying to get involved, he's trying to like replace Valeri as the chief scientist there at Chernobyl. And from what you said on Wikipedia, that sounds plausible, that he could have been in that position. Honestly, I'd have thought he'd have shown up as the uh, Baroness. <laughs> yes, that's exactly the role he's going to become. <laughs> really? Yes. Oh, yes. God. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's actually, they have done a lot of reading around, but the line here, and although he knows a good bit about RBMK reactors, his specialty is actually chemistry, not nu uh, nuclear physics. I thought you said he was a physicist. Um, I'm just having a look here. Oh, yes, yeah. Oh, that's bollocks, then. You can edit that out. I'm not editing that out. Wait, Valerie is talking about himself, isn't he? Oh, is he? Valerie is not very confident about this assignment. He has, like, 
He is. Oh, okay. So Nick was right. He was. He was an inorganic chemist. There it is. So they've done their research, because I don't think they even say what Valeri's specialty is in the show. He's just uh, the science man. So in this chapter, we get Shabina meeting Valeri. What do you remember from when they meet in the show? Shabina threatens to throw him out of it. Yeah. Well, this this is somewhat less threatening. Uh, he asks Valeri to do a twirl. Okay. Uh, confused Valeri spins. Uh, Shabina asks him if he's brought any other suits with him, because he's not impressed with the suit he's shown up wearing, and insists that they get him some new suits. Oh, so it's a dressing montage. There will be a dressing montage later on. Oh, that's cute. And if you recall, uh, there was... One of the main plot points in The Sound of Music is that um, Maria makes clothing from the curtains. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Before that happens, there's a lot of asking, oh, are the children going to have any clothes for playing around in? And the captain's like, no, don't be ridiculous. We need to be serious. I was honestly thinking that they were going to make him a suit out of some 80s curtains. (laughs) Oh, I'm afraid not. I actually think that would have been an improvement to this script, but it's not quite that. That would have been so good, wouldn't it? Uh, that horrible brown floral pattern. I'm going to assume that's what his suit looks like, to be honest. That kind of brown floral thing. It'll be what's on the inside, because like men's suits have to be plain on the outside and really ridiculous on the inside. <laughs> that's what all the best suits look like. They do, don't they? <laughs> the duality in man. <laughs> so that isn't quite the parallel they were going for on this. The parallel to the clothing is the face masks. So Valeri is asking, oh, when are the soldiers going to get face masks for breathing? And, like, Shabina's not really impressed. He's like, oh, face masks? Why do they need face masks? Oh, God. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Do they make the face masks out of the curtains? Ah, please do. I'll get to that later. It's a yes, isn't it? (laughs) I'll get to that later. In the meantime, we, we move away from the sound of music and to Chernobyl as... The first actual proper references to Chernobyl show up. They talk about the graphite on the roof. Uh, Pikolov shows up. Uh, Fomin is here as well. Fomin and Brukhanov are here as well. Yeah. I'm not sure who their parallel is for The Sound of Music, but this scene very much just plays out as it does in Chernobyl. Anyway, chapter four. Uh, yes. A few of my favourite things. Now, this is where the musical sections begin to fall apart. Oh, no. I was hoping for, for like, a jolly song about sand and boron and stuff like that. And liquid ni- liquid nitrogen and naked miners and everything. <laughs> I'm afraid not. Uh, this one, a few of my favourite things, is the promised dressing scene. Oh. Ah! Hey! This is Valeri... He is in his room at the hotel, I think. Tarakanov has brought him several new suits, and Valeri's kind of miffed, because he's like, oh, you're not getting the guy's face masks, but you'll get me these new suits. And Tarakanov's like, no, Shabina bought these himself for you. <laughs> and Valeri's like, huh? This didn't come out of the Chernobyl budget? <laughs> he's like, no, he got him these new suits. <laughs> And Valeri's kind of shocked, like, ah, oh, he paid, f- he bought me clothes. And this is where the romance really starts to begin. Trunks and a vest hid nothing, what the fuck? Sorry, <laughs> carry on. Yeah, so later on, Shabina comes in, and he's going to help him be fitted for the suits. 
And there's a very romantic description here. Well, there's a very erotic description here of Larry as he is still standing in his trunks and his vest when the door burst open as Shabina just barges into his room. And then we get a scene where Shabina is fitting Valeri for a suit. I'm just going to read this section here. Uh, Valeri went bread. Even a decent suit did little to hide his chunkiness. Trunks and a vest hid nothing. His belly was barely covered by the worn-out vest, and his chunky ass was rather evident. <laughs> was that bit in the Sound of Music? This is the thing. This entire chapter is not in the Sound of Music. This is all the writer. Like, like it's a film from the 1960s. The Sound of Music isn't that sexual. Like, they smooch, they get married. It's very romantic. There are no scenes like this. The closest they get <laughs> is they dance. The, the captain does not burst in on Maria. <laughs> Making herself something out of curtains while she's in the nip. Because that would be ungentlemanly. And if they're portraying Captain Von Trapp, in this case Shabina, as like a gentleman, then he wouldn't burst in on a woman while she was dressing. Exactly. Especially in the 60s. Like... Or in this case, a scientist. <laughs> yeah. Who is like blushing this entire time as Boris's hands start feeling him up and like checking measurements and things. And then his pants slip and they both reach for it at the same time. Not, <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> oh, a shame. <laughs> this, is how, this is how Soviet men fall in love. Oh, God. That's a bold <laughs> statement. It's all, it's all them helping each other pull their kegs up. <laughs> so, uh, Boris leaves. There isn't any pants being pulled down. Anything that sexual. And Valeri goes to bed, because I assume this was late in the night. And there's a thunderstorm outside. This does happen in The Sound of Music. It goes slightly differently. Um, Valeri, being scared of thunder, starts trying to think about his favourite things. Ah. Uh. It, men- it mentions the, the kittens and whiskers and packages. And then Valeri realises those aren't his favourite things anymore. Please, please read the line. Please read it. Oh my god. Please read the fucking line. This is this is comedy gold. I'm sorry, but it is. Valeri lay down on his bed and closed his eyes, yes. singing the tune softly to himself. But somehow, kittens morphed into tall silver-haired men. Whiskers changed into light touches by sets of hands and packages. <laughs> and packages? He tried in vain not to picture Shabina's package. <laughs> oh my god. So that replaces the entire... One of the most iconic songs at the Sound of Music, <laughs> I would argue. It's just been changed into... Just imagine if they replaced that, which is one of the, fa- one of the famous songs in the musical, with just an interlude with Maria thinking about Dick. <laughs> <laughs> Just Christopher Plummer, like, doing a striptease and stuff. It's just Julie Andrews with a thought bubble. Oh, God. No, yeah, but yeah, but first, he transformed from a kitten. <laughs> yeah, he starts as a cat he and he just morphs. Cat. Animorphs into this fucking... <laughs> so, for a scene that's entirely... That's entirely written for this, like... It's the first chapter that hasn't been directly inspired by one from The Sound of Music. I think they've done a pretty good job. Like, this is fairly romantic, I would say. Uh, yep, it is It is that. It's 
It's, it is that. It is other things, but it's that as well. I, this, all of these Pixar erotic novels is just whether they've been done well or not is something else, isn't it? Mm. Oh, absolutely. I personally think they've done this quite well. Okay. So, chapter five is called Hydrogen, Helium, Lithium. This scene is Valeri. He's out with the soldiers in the fields, which didn't happen in Chernobyl. Like, I assume he stayed behind, not a desk the whole time, but he wasn't like involved in the manual labour. Yeah, he was very much behind the lines directing. I mean, he do. I suppose he do site visits and stuff like that, see what's going on, and to. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's let's say he's doing a site visit here, and. You know how Maria made suit, sorry, made dresses and clothing for the kids out of um, some tassiole curtains. Well, in this, Valeri has taken his old suit and made twenty breathing masks out of it. Oh God, yeah, fashioning <laughs> face masks and distributed it among the soldiers. Now, Nick, you can probably tell me how many soldiers were involved in the Chernobyl disaster as liquidators. Um, the Well, I don't know exactly the number of soldiers, but I know that um, the official... It absolutely wasn't 20, though. No. That's significantly less. <laughs> That's it. The, the, official, um, the official sort of figures was around about 600,000 people were involved in the cleanup of Chernobyl. So 20 masks is not going very far. Maybe they shared them. Oh, she's got what? I would like to point something out, though, and um, you're going to see why I pointed this out. I will just re- I'll just read this line. Um, the next day, he donned a pair of fatigues and hung his mask around his neck. Uh, one of Boris's new suits wouldn't do for this outing. Um, he joined Pikalov in a jeep as the group headed out. Yeah. He's going to pick out the jeep. Yes. Oh, <laughs> of course you are. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I am, because this is how... Uh, <laughs> Are they not called jeeps? This is how wrong this is, right? It's the middle of the 1980s. It's the height of the Cold War, okay? Jeep is a square-jawed, freedom-loving American company. They wouldn't have been in a jeep. I'm defending the author here on this, and I think Grace will agree with me on this. Jeep, to me, is... It's not a make of a car so much as a genre of a car. Then say 4x4. Four four. Uh, jeep, jeep sounds like something Valeri would say. If he could access a jeep, if they were available in the USSR, I don't know. I'm willing to give them a pass on the lack of car knowledge. Actually, would have been since th- since these were army jeeps. Um, I think it would have been a UAS. Oh God! So, so Yankee Tutor, if you're listening to this, you do not lose points for not knowing the car knowledge. No, uh, agreed, agreed. Right, yeah, let's carry on. Um, so they head out into the fields, and this. So the parallel in the sound of music for this scene uh, is when she teaches them the doe a deer a female deer all that bit, oh, fucking which hell. is teaching them like the elements of music. Oh, and in this, <laughs> I can. It's not going to be the elements of music, is it? It's going to be the elements of something else. It is. It's the peri- They sing the periodic table. <laughs> <laughs> oh really? Yes. Not very well, but again, credit to the author. It's very hard to make a song with the periodic elements without getting sued by Tom Lehrer. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah. But they do that, especially in getting it to fit to 
doe, a deer, a female deer, all that stuff. It's that's it. I mean, I, I, I would be well impressed if they wrote like a full thing. Ah, oh, they've used the word jeep twice again. <laughs> Don't tell Nick. Shh. They only say jeep once. No, they say they just exited the jeep when the peasants were there. <laughs> they were allowed Nick doesn't need and to know. hung off their jeeps as they pulled up. You're welcome. So, there's a scene in The Sound of Music where they, they get, they're in a boat coming back because they've got like a They've got a dock at their house. The Von Trapps are very rich. And they all fall out of the boat. And in this scene, it's them falling out of the jeep. Or at least it's Valeri falling out of the jeep. And Boris immediately carries him. He's just, oh no, you've hurt your wrist. So he carries him. Oh, because he hurt his wrist. (laughs) Not his ankle. (laughs) Not his leg. Not his foot. His wrist. Yep. What a gentleman. <laughs> that's the romance. I guess that's the romance. Here we are. Yeah, this this is the romance coming in. Because, yeah, Boris is concerned about Valeri. He's like, oh, you hurt your wrist. And he notices the cloth mask. He's like, oh, he admits, oh, yeah, I use my suits to make them. And Boris just sighs and goes, whatever am I going to do with you, Valera? And then smooth jazz starts playing again. And... <laughs> Valeri drifts off in out of consciousness because he's had some painkillers because he hurt his wrist because no one else is injured in the Chernobyl disaster the medics can spare time <laughs> to stop and give him painkillers hang on what kind of fucking painkillers were they giving him if it knocked him out so it's the USSR oh okay yeah the fair So, chapter six, the metamorphosis of Boris Shabina. This is when Boris starts to see, um... The Valeri kind of has a point of how to treat the soldiers. Uh, Valeri's smoking in bed, still. But apparently that's very difficult, because it's his right wrist that was broken. Oh, it's broken, he hasn't just hurt it. Yeah. That makes more sense, I think I'd be on the floor if I broke my wrist. Well, he doesn't make a big deal of it in the last chapter, but... Let's face it, he got carried because he was knocked out on vodka. That's why it was the painkillers that knocked him out. (laughs) So yeah, Boris is visiting him whenever he can, like making sure he's okay. Because neither of them are particularly busy men. (laughs) Like there's nothing they need to be in charge of right now. The nuclear reactor can wait. There's a blossoming romance happening. So this is kind of the sad flashback about Boris Shabina. Boris had a son, I think. I'll be honest, I skimmed over this chapter. There was a young man who Boris particularly looked after much as he would have with a son. Yeah, so this is why Boris is so sad and grumpy. There was one of the soldiers he particularly liked, and he was killed during a test exercise. And he's been a bitter old man ever since. Aww. Valeri has kind of opened him up and kind of warmed him up, I suppose. So this establishes that Boris isn't just gay for Valeri, like he was kind of, there was a soldier he was attached to as well. Okay. Okay. But it says, as, as would a son, though. Oh, okay. Mm. It's, it's, I was, I was going to say, you don't fuck your son. That would be weird. Today's top tip on the shipping forecast. Don't fuck your son. <laughs> don't fuck your son. <laughs> Christ. So, 
Valeri heals up over time. His wrist's healing nicely. You can return to your duties. Uh, I would assume in this situation that they'd just replace Valeri. Like, in if this happened in the actual Chernobyl disaster when he couldn't fulfill his duties, I'd assume they'd get a different scientist in. Well, it's saying that um, what the HBO show didn't really make clear is that there were thousands of scientists working on it. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. There, 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 would, there would be thousands and thousands, and if Valeri mm. wasn't able to perform his He was just then, the head honcho, yeah. Yeah, he was one of them anyway. But more importantly than the Chernobyl disaster itself, Velikov is coming down for the May Day party. During the Chernobyl... <laughs> during the clean-up of the... Yeah, there's going to be a May Day party. He wants to have a celebration to keep the men's spirits up. I expect you to come as well, and he's going to put on a lovely suit... And they're having a mayday party in the middle of the cleanup of the worst nuclear disaster known to mankind. But not only that, Valeri's rival is going to be there, and he's going to probably try and seduce Boris. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this really is a disaster, isn't it? They haven't really got the minds on the job at hand in this fic. No, they don't. Yeah, sort of saving the rest of Western Europe from more radiation emissions. No, we're, we're just going to think with our dicks, I guess. The love of uh, Boris and Valeri is far more important. Uh, it can't uh, it can't be that bad. Chernobyl must have saw them and was like, oh, you know, I'll just burn slowly. Yeah, the, the elephant's foot was like, no, it's cool, I'll stop here for a bit. Just you, you. I want to see how this ship fulfills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, I can't kill them off yet. <laughs> So yeah, the the sentiment that Valeri has is... I'll just read from this section. A party at Chernobyl, but seeing Boris's hopeful look in his direction, he could only smile and agree to come. How could he say no? Wait, at Chernobyl? At, at the plant itself? Yeah. <laughs> They're hosting it at the fucking plant! <laughs> I, th- I think they are, anyway. I guess we'll find out in the next chapter. Yeah, guess what you guys get as party favours? Oh, it's radiation sickness! Boris is trying to convince Valeri to dance at this as well. Oh, fucking hell. Here you go. So I want to read this line as well. I'll come, Boris, but I won't dance. That would be a disaster only slightly less worse than Chernobyl itself. Wow. Oh, fucking hell. And Boris responds, Oh, but I did so hope to show you one of my native Ukrainian dances, Valera. No matter. Maybe I'll show Velikov instead. The last line was said teasingly and produced the desired effect Boris had been hoping for. What a cunt! <laughs> oh no, you will not, he shouted, eyes flashing. You'll show me, not him, but I'm warning you, it won't be pretty. There's mind games going on here. I, th- I think Valeri would be better off with someone else. <laughs> oh, but they're so cute together. Plot twist, him and him and Velikov get together. <laughs> Enemies to lovers. <laughs> well, we'll find out in the next chapter. <laughs> So, chapter seven is the dance. Things are becoming more obvious to others, is the summary. We're at the dance, the soldiers are dancing together. Oh, so th- there are no female soldiers. Of course there's no fucking females. <laughs> well, sometimes they like to wreck on women soldiers in. Or they could bring their partners, but no, it's all just boy on boy dancing. So it doesn't look as strange when Valeri and Boris dance together later on. Uh, so Boris is entertaining various apparatchiks from Moscow. So I'm assuming the big wigs. Yeah. I'm curious what kind of dances they're doing at an all-male, all-military May Day party. 
They they said it was uh, traditional folk dancing, didn't they? Ukrainian. It's obvious the Russian, they're in the military, of course they're Cossack dancing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so with the sound of music, it's all like ballroom dancing. No, they're just Cossack dancing. Yeah, I, I can imagine that. Okay, so there's not a, there's not a lot I need to say about this chapter. There's a lot of romance. Uh, the two of them dance. They very nearly kiss. Ooh. Their lips so close to touching that Valeri found himself wishing Boris would miscalculate just once. He no, lo- he longed to feel Boris pressed lips. Sorry, he longed to feel Boris's lips pressed against his, and couldn't care less what the other party goers might think. Getting a bit flustered there, Jim. <laughs> In all seriousness, this is quite well written romance, as far as what we've read on this show. Yeah, yeah, granted. Uh, so they dance, they split off. Uh. I'm not sure I'm going to pronounce his name correctly, but Rishkov? R-Y-Z-H-K-O-V. Rishkov? Yeah, I'd say say Rishkov. Anybody who wants to correct us, then, yeah, send us an email with a voice clip. Who later on becomes the president of the Soviet Union, by the way, upon Googling him. Really? Oh, what's he doing there? Well, there are some bigwigs at this party. So, future president of the Soviet Union comes up to Valery and goes, Well, it seems like our deputy chairman has taken quite a liking to you, Legasov. So he's kind of playing the role of gossipy high school girl who has come over (laughs) to ask what the beef is between the two of them. Again, a man who later becomes the president of the Soviet Union. Oh god, <laughs> this is beautiful. Honestly, this is this is a, this is amazing. It's like the fate of Western Europe is in these people's hands, and they're having dances and getting into relationships and walking over to the mates and going, "Hey, hey, hey, he likes you. Oh, I can tell he likes you. Yeah. Hello, hello, hello. What's all this then?" So I never thought I'd say this, but reading this made watching the sound of music worth it. Really? Yeah. I suppose you can get the references now. Yeah, it's. I don't think I'd have enjoyed this without the references. <laughs> but upon doing all this gossiping, Valeri, he's blushing, he finds it kind of awkward, so he leaves Boris a note and then packs his bags and tries to find a soldier to take him home because he doesn't want this romance, it's too embarrassing, the face of the world can wait, someone else can do this job. <laughs> This mirrors a scene in The Sound of Music where Maria leaves a note and decides to leave. I'm sorry. It's it's just got to the stage where it's got too much for him, so he's thrown a Benny and fucked off home. Yeah. Like, the face of Europe can wait. He doesn't want to confront his emotions and his love for Boris, so... Nuclear disaster in his stride. Boris, on the other hand... Uh, can't be dealing. <laughs> Fuck this, I'm off home. So, the last one that's currently out at the time of recording is Climb Every Smokestack. Okay. So Valeria's planning to leave. He's going home. Gorbachev. Yeah, he, he meets up with Gorbachev, who is very disappointed. He's like, Gasov, I assigned you to work with the deputy chairman, not Velikov. You're running away from your responsibilities. Yeah. Damn right, what the fuck do you think you're doing? <laughs> but the deputy chairman obviously prefers to work with Velikov. Valery felt the spare rise up within him. Uh... This isn't Soviet Russia. No, it's not. Yeah, Valery Legasov doing this would have been executed by firing squad. True. But it, it fits the sound of music, though. 
I like how he's sort of like the aggressive bestie. Just be like, no, you've got to go back. <laughs> Get your man. Thank you, Gorbachev. You're so cool. And then he goes off again. It's like, you're welcome. That's kind of what it is. Like, Gorbachev just goes, I don't know what's going on between you and Shabina, but you need to work together and, like, deal with the Chernobyl crisis. <laughs> Valerian walked out slowly. He wondered if the end would be when Chernobyl's crisis was resolved, or would it come when Boris and he succumbed to the radiation slowly killing them. So this is the first mention of radiation. Nine chapters in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is the first time we've acknowledged there is a leaking reactor. <laughs> That's the first time they've acknowledged the main danger in the Chernobyl nuclear disaster. Which they just had a party at. And invited the future president of Russia to. Oh my god. Hang on hang on a minute. Um, yeah, there's the... I'm reading one of the lines. One night an impromptu dance broke out around the tents after the workday. Who are these people and why are they fucking about? Well, Valeri obviously brought a feeling of joy to this party. And now the soldiers are all happy. No, they're all drunk. All day, every day. <laughs> well, and happy. Right? They can be the same thing. So this chapter then cuts to Boris, having found the note that Valeria said he's left. And Boris is, needless to say, quite depressed. Because he spent all this money on suits, on this guy, and this guy's just bailed. Is that is that why he's depressed? No, that's, that's me assigning. Oh, is, is that, yeah, is that like a... He's depressed because Valeri has left. Right. And he didn't even say goodbye. So, there's a line here. Boris knew he should be in his hotel room, away from the radiation as much as possible, but he didn't care. Valeri had left him. So, he's so sad by this breakup, he is standing closer to the reactor core. <laughs> That's, uh, this, this, is, um, this is getting a bit too Romeo and Juliet. This is just sad, man. Yeah, it's literally. It, it is kind of sad. Not not as in weepy sad, just sad. Uh, we've all had rough breakups. Yeah, but who the fuck stands by a reactor core and feels sorry for themselves? Well, clearly this reactor isn't as dangerous as the real world Chernobyl disaster. <laughs> because they just had a party. Oh, God. This this doesn't end on a sad note. Valeri returns to Chernobyl. Well, he returned in a jeep, though. There's a big bear hug. He arrives in his stolen, decadent capitalist jeep. <laughs> <laughs> a bear hug. Good old Soviet bear hug. I'm really, I'm really, really sorry, but I've got this brilliant mental image of uh, Valeri Legasov turning up in like a lifted jeep with a stars and stripes on the bonnet, blasting America, <laughs> fuck yeah, from the speakers. <laughs> Anyway, that's where we that's where this ends for now. I because this updated fairly recently, I do have high hopes it'll be continued. But if you if you check what I find is that authors if they've done something else more recently, it probably means they've left whatever they've done before and they've moved on. So before I do check that, I just want to read the comments. There are two on this last chapter saying, "I've never watched the sound of music, but I really love your fic." This is clearly... It's tickling the fancy of people who haven't seen The Sound of Music. Yeah, so at least um, at least in that respect, it is standing up on its own, even if you don't get the references. Oh, uh, they have done a more recent fic called The Scent of Boris. 
Oh. <laughs> oh dear. So I think the sound of love may have been put on the back burner, I'm afraid. Valeri finds intimacy in the only way he can. Hang hang on a second. Um you know this uh, you know this fit called the scent of Boris? Yeah. Is it just one word? Cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> Cigarettes and sadness. Hang on. They've done like fifty-four in Chernobyl alone, this author, apparently. Oh? Yeah, you have. What do you mean I have? I haven't Sorry, this. they have. <laughs> so they've done two actor real person fix. Can you guess who those two actors are? Is it Jared Harris and Stellan Skarsgård? Yes. <laughs> wow. I don't know who they are. Well, one plays Valery Legasov and one plays Boris Shabina. <laughs> okay, you know what? What a shock. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> The ship name called Jarlin. Sounds like a Swedish cake. It does, doesn't it? So what's this one? Is it Legabina? Do they have a ship name? I don't know, but I think we should call it Legabina. Legabina. No, there's got to be a better name. Shagasov? Shagasov. Not really. I, I like Shagasov. Valeris? Bollery? Shagasov. Why don't you come on over? So... <laughs> what? No, please finish that. The song, Why Don't You Come Over Valerie, has been completely ruined for me, because I keep hearing it as Valeri, and imagining <laughs> Boris Shabina singing it. Fuck's sake. That's been in my head for months. Since I'm in Pripyat, well, my hair, it's been a mess. And I miss your smart suits and your geeky little specs. <laughs> okay, so, ratings. For romance, I think I rate this a 5 out of 5. Oh, I don't. I think it's very fluffy, and I think the chemistry works. At least it's fairly good. Oh, what about Boris and his bloody mind games trying to make him jealous, though? I, I don't think that's pretty kosher. I think that's it's underhanded, really, isn't it? Oh, I suppose. I took that more as, like, a flirty, like, trying to make him slightly jealous thing. Even, that's just mind games, though, isn't it? It's that that does that does seem like Boris fucking with them. But the thing is, it kind of still gets the five out of five because that's the whole sound of music thing. It's a romance thing. I don't think the captain was that teasy flirty with Maria. Yeah, I'd have to rewatch it though, which I'm not gonna do. But that was that was kind of the um, for me anyway. Who's read the plot of The Sound of Music and listened to Jim explain it? It seems like the the Sound of Music romance is kind of its thing. It's like a romantic thing. Yeah, it's definitely about the romance first and the music second. Yeah, that's it. And the Nazis third. Like, the Nazis are just incidental. And that's part of the reason I hope I hope Yankee Tutor continues this fit, because I'm curious how the Nazis are going to play into this. Oh, imagine if it were Americans. Maybe it's maybe the Nazis are the radiation. Hmm, maybe. I definitely think the, the performance at the end of The Sound of Music will be the presentation <laughs> that Legasov actually did in real life. Oh, the what causes a nuclear reactor to explode. Yeah, I think that'll... And he'll somehow disappear during that and the KGB will have to chase him down. But he's already fled. And the KGB... <laughs> it'll be the KGB! The Nazis will be the KGB, that's what it'll be. Yeah, okay, it's definitely going to be the KGB then. I look forward to reading that, though, even though we've probably guessed the plot. I really want to read that. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. That'd Please, be good. continue this fic. I have to see it through. And I mean that in a more positive way than the last fic we covered, because 
This isn't about closure. This is about enjoyment. Yeah, that, that's that's agreed. I mean, it was it was one of the best episodes in the series. That one, episode five, with the courtroom drama. So yeah, I'd, I'd like to see that as well. So this is where I hit the negative points in this review when I talk about how canon it is. <laughs> I think I have to give this a zero out of five <laughs> because it. <laughs> This isn't an episode about the sound of music. It is an episode about Chernobyl, and yeah, they don't. They act as if the the disaster hasn't even happened. They have a party during it, and <laughs> so this is something that I think might piss off a few listeners if they do ship Valeri and Shabina. One of the things I'd like to look for in canon is do. It's not just does the plot fit. It's also do the characters behave like the characters. And this isn't just something for this fic, it's, a, it's something we've seen in a lot of them. I don't think Valeri behaves like he does in the show, especially when he's got when he's doe-eyed for Boris. Granted, yeah. Valeri's very much a doom and gloom guy. He's not the bishy twink that the fandom <laughs> seem to have turned him into. He's not mushy-eyed for anyone. I don't know, I, I saw him... I saw him as as the awkward as the awkward twink. He half is, half isn't. Hmm. Do you, okay. I personally didn't see it in watching the show. I saw him as like a normal bloke. So awkward. Who? Yeah, he's he's definitely awkward. I never saw. They're saying that he takes command quite quickly. I think it's more out of panic. I ultimately don't think he's, like, the bottom that everyone portrays him to be, though, personally. And um, and there you have it, listeners. Valery Legasov, eminent scientist, 40-year-old man, bishy twink. <laughs> oh, poor bloke. <laughs> oh, there's definitely fan art of that out there. Of course there will be. Oh, God. So the last point on my review is how weird was it out of five? I'm actually going to only give it a one. I think this is fairly grounded. Mm, yeah, granted. Nothing. I mean, there was the there was the dressing up scene, but it, even that was fairly grounded. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. I mean, the the weirdest thing about the whole fic for me was watching, or rather, reading about all these people fucking about instead of saving the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so the last point: Did I like it? Yes, definitively. Hey, hey, good. So that's me done talking for now. Uh, Nick, why don't you tell us about the coffee shop? Oh, yes. Right, yeah, we'll go for this. Okay, so... The Great Chernobyl Coffee Incident. Yeah, that's it. So this is... Um, this was quite interesting. Yeah, it's it's called the, as Jim said, uh, The Great Chernobyl Coffee Incident uh, by Aweria Suit. Um, apologies ab- about pronunciation and that sort of thing. Um, and this was a bit of a weird one because... Um, it was my first crack fic, I think. Mmm, I think it is. Uh, honestly, I was expecting, like, the worst and most depraved the internet could throw at me, because I didn't really understand what, what a crack fic was. This, you know, I was expecting, like, I don't know, sodomy and tentacles and all the rest, all the rest of the things you find on the internet, but, um... Anyway, it's what it is, and apparently this is this is quite a prevalent thing on this website, according to the tags, but it's an alternative universe where the characters work in a coffee shop. Okay. Very prolific alternate universe 
standard format. Yeah. Oh, does this does this happen often? Oh, I'm pretty sure it's not considered a fandom until you have at least one coffee shop AU somewhere. Oh, right. <laughs> okay, we'll keep an eye out for these. So, yeah, so, um, so starting with the summary, um, uh, there is nothing sane about Chernobyl Coffee Shop. Uh, what happened there, what happened after, even the good coffee we made, all of it, all of it, madness. Now illustrated. Now illustrated, yes. Um, hmm, yes, there is a comic on the second page, uh, having skimmed ahead. Who's done this? Have you? So this was done by an author called Plastic Art. Yeah, it's um, it's it's. I will say uh, before we start this, just read it. It's I yeah, um, I'll I'll get to why at the end. But anyway, um, so we will start at the very beginning, um, because that's the best place to start, obviously, um, and anyway, it is set in Chernobyl Coffee Shop Number Four. Okay, just like the reactor. Yes, which apparently started operation on December the twentieth, nineteen eighty three. And uh, so, yeah, on the last day of that year, um, Viktor Brukhanov signed the signed the plans off and celebrated by buying himself a cake. Yeah, that's that's fair. But the certificate and the cake was a lie. Ah, oh, the cake was a lie. Oh God. Oh, portal reference. There we go. Man, that takes me back. <laughs> the good days of the internet. <laughs> All right, old men, come on, <laughs> back to it. Okay, so, cut to um, to- our old friends Toptonov and Akimov. Not ninjas this time. <laughs> Not ninjas this time. Uh, bari- baristas. Baristas. Um, they are discussing the upcoming safety test on- that they're doing on the coffee grinder. Uh, the the coffee grinder rundown test. Here's a line. Uh, it's yeah, Akimov. It's fine. We take the grinder down to seven hundred rotations per minute. Hold it there, and the rest is up to Stolyachuk and Kirchenbaum. Uh, but he pow- uh, but he pauses. Uh, Dyatlov is going to be supervising. I've I'm more of a tea drinker, and I think that's the general consensus for this all, this group of the three of us. Yeah, mm. grinders don't normally go at seven hundred rotations per minute, do they? So, yeah, I asked my good friend, who is a barista, <laughs> what the fuck, if, uh, if they do do safety tests on their grinders and do they measure it in 700 rotations per minute or not. Apparently, I'm, I'm shocked to say this, but with dangerous equipment like grounders, uh, grinders, sorry, they do not run safety tests on them in this country. That's something to watch out for next time you're in a Starbucks. It's a health and safety nightmare, goddammit! You need to see what happens when you take it to 700. So, um, yeah, it's, um, it's, uh, this, this fic as well, it, it hasn't escaped the shipping, um, so don't worry about that. Uh, as evidence in this line, uh, said by Akimov, uh, don't worry, we'll do it together, Akimov reassures him, because that's what he does and who he is, the best and best-looking shift leader ever in Toptonov's eyes. Oh. Ah, <sighs> Christ. This is definitely a more wholesome relationship for these two than what we read in Suspenders. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's honestly and this is this is coming from a straight man. These two are fucking adorable. <laughs> Though I do have to ask, do you ship them more or less than Shabina and Legasov? Oh, this is where they fight. Ooh, now then. You have to pick one. Like, gun to the head, you need to choose one ship. 
that that's the weirdest hostage situation I've ever been in. <laughs> I know, right? Um, right. I would probably go for Legasov and Shabina, but only because we know more about them. Yeah, it's um, uh, even in the the um, you know literature, uh, Akimov and Toptonov uh, were people who were in the control room who followed instructions, and unfortunately, what do they what do they die of in this? Because it's coffee. Yeah. <laughs> ah, well, um, yeah. Oh, shall we? Sorry, shall we just go through it and get to that? Yeah, let's let's go let's go for it because this is this is um yeah this is something to be to be to be seen. This is Nescafe Gold. Yes, Nescafe Gold. <laughs> Can you taste Nescafe? <laughs> <laughs> Not that we're advertising. <laughs> if Nescafe wants to sponsor us, please contact <laughs> forecast at gmail.com. Okay, so um, uh, in the uh, next scene, we will cut to the, the night of the test. Here it comes. We are approaching 1.23 a.m., uh, April the 26th, 1986, in Chernobyl Coffee Shop. So here's a question. Why is this coffee shop open at 1.23 a.m.? It's the night shift. That's when they do the safety tests on the coffee grinders. Who is buying coffee at 1 o'clock in the morning? <laughs> People who have lunch at one o'clock in the morning. Not everyone. Not everyone goes to work at ten and comes back at six. James. <laughs> Some of us get up in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> at one a.m. Yes, I've been at work at one a.m. before. I've been. I've been working at one a.m. I. You shouldn't be. They are uh, raise. Uh, Diatlov's told them to uh, raise the RPMs, or you're all fired. And this is. Uh, I'd. I'd like to quote this passage because it's absolutely fucking fantastic. Oh, please do. Yeah. Raise the RPMs. Diatlov tells him his tone icy, or you're all fired. You'll never work at another coffee shop again. Not in Cursed Cafe, or Ignalina Roastery, or Lenin Grounds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for God's sake! <laughs> Lenin Grounds. Lenin grounds. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Akimov has no choice. All of their barista jobs are on the line and he's the shift leader. He turns to Toptonov, who is now visibly trembling. Together, then. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we arrive at the explosion. <laughs> <laughs> There's a fire in the kitchen. Something blew up. So Dyatlov thinks of an explanation. And finally, he gets he, he comes up with one. The kitchen, the cappuccino system tank, milk. He turns to Akimov with a cold look in his eyes. You and Toptonov, you morons, blew up the milk tank. Um. <laughs> it exploded. We know Akimov. Is the, is the coffee grinder still on? It exploded. The grinder exploded. The lid is off. There's coffee everywhere. <laughs> Honestly, this made me giggle. Um... You're confused, Dyatlov tells him calmly. Real big machine coffee grinders don't explode. Toptonov, take him to the break room. Or RBMK. <laughs> Real big machine coffee. Coffee spelt with a K. <laughs> <laughs> this gets points just for that, honestly. <laughs> yeah, Toptonov grabs Akimov's arms and, uh, arm and whispers, Sasha, do you taste burnt coffee? Oh, fuck's sake. 
This is a disaster. <laughs> so, yeah, this is, um, they are wondering what to do. Um, Dyatlov's left to make his report to uh, Brukhanov and uh, Fermin. Stolyachuk's there, he shakes his head. Uh, the phone pumps are gone, electrical is gone. Stolyachuk tells them, I didn't go in the kitchen, and I won't. And uh, their plan is, what they're going to do is they are going to grind the coffee by hand. Fucking hell, that's dangerous, isn't it? Because the people of the Soviet Union need their coffees. At 1am. <laughs> they fucking do. I admire their dedication. Um, and uh, here we go, here's the um, another bit of relationship development. Um, Stolyachuk looks down, silent. Uh, Akimov turns to Toptinov. He knows Leonid will follow his orders, partly because he is shift leader, but also because he knows Toptinov's got a crush on him. Oh, what the fuck? Oh. Wait, also, no, that's manipulative. Yes, yes it is. We'll grind the coffee by hand. By hand? The amount of coffee beans and the time to grind them, you're talking about hours in there. Yeah, Toptinov just stands there frozen in place by the enormity of what they are about to undertake. That's actually accurate to the series because they go down. Yeah, I remember the scene where they're all they're like in water, like waist high, and it's like it's okay. Just turn it all the way. All the way, okay, until it's ground up. <laughs> <laughs> Next paragraph, and we are we are coming to the end of this. Sadly, I just I wish it was longer because it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, they are waiting for the coffee commission to arrive in order to assess the incident. Yeah, Brookenov and for uh, and for me, uh, um, Shabina is a pure a bureaucrat, as stupid as he is pig-headed. We'll tell him the truth in, in simplest terms, which again is accurate to the series. That's a quote from the series. They've brought him in in a helicopter to come look at this coffee disaster. To come look at this coffee disaster, they have laid on a helicopter for Shabina. <laughs> Legasov is there too. <laughs> yeah, um, Legasov is, is here too, um, and um, yeah. Can you do your best Sabina voice for this as well? Please, I like this line. It's um yeah, Sh- Shabina is uh, grilling um uh, Brooklyn oven for me about the s- the severity of the incident. Um, I'll do my best, guys. I will do my best. Why did I see coffee beans on the roof, Brooklyn <laughs> <laughs> Coffee beans, coffee beans are only found in the cure- core of the coffee grinder, where it's used as caffeine fuel. Correct. Perhaps you saw cat food pellets. <laughs> Oh yeah, it goes on. It goes on. Ah, now here you made a mistake. <laughs> because while I don't know much about coffee but beans, Legasov has a cat. <laughs> Tell him what you know about cat turns, Legasov. <laughs> so last scene, I think. Yep, last scene. Uh, sometime later, customers are starting to trickle in. So they've got everything working again. The, the crisis is over. Everybody lives. There's no radiation. Just coffee everywhere. Dyatlov's been ordered by Brukhanov to work the registers, which he's less than happy about by the sounds of things. What are you waiting for, Legasov? Tell me your order. <laughs> for God's sake, Dyatlov, Brukhanov chastises him. That's terrible customer service. So I'll, I'm just, I'm just going to read this last, this, last, this last paragraph as it is, because it's, it's just good. Mm. Leg- uh, Legasov's tying up the queue. He wants something. He wags his finger at Shabina, cue behind, Le- uh, behind Legasov. She wants something. He points to Komyuk, cue behind the other two. Let him order, Shabina growls, with an evil grin in his eye. Nobody messes with Valera, except him. Even the ships that aren't Boris and Valeri together have a bit of that in them. <laughs> God. Yeah, 
Just then, Akimov and Toptonov finish connecting the backup coffee grinder and it starts up extremely loudly. What is the cost of ice? Legasov yells over the noise. Coffee. Oh, that was good. I enjoyed that. I had so much fun reading that. It was good. It was brilliant. And just skimming the comments. And yeah, a lot of people are arguing that and a fandom isn't real till they've got a coffee AU. Oh really? They're backing up what I've said? Mmm. Oh. So I think this is this may be something we need to do for every fandom we explore. Find a coffee shop AU. Find the coffee AU. If there is one. I'm up for that. That's We'll make that a standard thing. <laughs> so, let's hear your ratings, Nick. How romantic do you, did you find this? Um, I'm going to say... Uh, I'm going to say a three. Um, reason being was because it wasn't... I mean, there was romance in it, of course. Because this is the shipping forecast. And uh, if there's no romance, then we're doing something wrong. We're reading the wrong fic. So uh yeah it was it was more about the events and what went on and and what you know what people did um much pure handling of the disaster as opposed to... Oh yeah actually yeah the fucking about a lot less than your characters Jim <laughs> Yeah they definitely this is more faithful to Chernobyl The baristas were far more efficient than the nuclear power plant staff <laughs> <laughs> So, are you saying so this will be a four or a five for you on canon racings? Well, the thing is, um, it's not canon at all because it's set in a coffee shop. However, um, because it was, uh, they sort of melded the um, events of uh, that fateful night in 1986 so seamlessly into the coffee shop setting, um, I'm going to give it a 3.6. I think if, if you say it's an AU, we shouldn't necessarily take points away if it's a different setting, as long as everything's faithful in terms of characters. But it's up to you. Yeah, hence why it's, hence why it's a 3.6. Ah, oh, I knew oh, you'd get it in there somewhere. Like, not again. <laughs> How weird did you find it? Uh, if you were willing to suspend your disbelief of the entire staff of a nuclear power plant, going into a coffee shop at one o'clock in the morning to run a safety test on a coffee grinder, an appliance which doesn't really need a safety test, I'd give it a four. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fair. It's definitely the weirdest we've read so far. No, that's not the weirdest we've read so far. I was, oh no, that's not true, is it? No, no, suspend, I apologise, Suspenders was a lot stranger than this. Yeah, Suspenders was just, it was all, it was all so normal and then it went batshit. I think that fic changed me somewhere in my... In my psyche, I don't know. It's just, <laughs> is... I think the world. I'd open the curtains and like the sun isn't as bright as it used to be. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! So last point, did you like it? Yes, I, 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 I really, I had a lot of fun with this fic. Um, and I mean the, uh, I've, I've got to, I've got to give props to the author. Um you've written something which I wasn't expecting to find. Um, but apparently is the standard for uh, fandoms <laughs> that everyone has one. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we can end this on a happy note. So that's it for this week. Um, next week we'll be covering the other fic you read, the Soviet space program. Um, yeah, the title of that is um, And Between the Motions, That Trembling Tender Little Sigh. <laughs> Who's it by? Mozart King. <laughs> so, yeah, that's it for 
for us. Uh, join us next time, and hopefully I won't have to make any more dramatic edits. <laughs> we all know that's not going to happen, or rather that will happen often. Oh, <laughs> we'll see. But yeah, good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.